find ourselves in a tough place. And gratitude seems a very long way away. So wherever we find ourselves, stir our hearts. In the good times, stir our hearts to be truly grateful. And in the tough times, lead us to a place where we can once again find a grateful heart. In your name we ask it. Amen. Well, it's great to be back, folks. This, this is part of what makes my Thanksgiving is the opportunity to be with my favorite congregation. Um, and I, I'm sincere about that. I, I'm absolutely sincere. If I lived 240 kilometers closer, you'd see me every week. Not here on the platform, for which you might be grateful, but here. Um, Thanksgiving, I have all kinds of great memories of Thanksgiving, <clears throat> except when I think, I think Thanksgiving meals made me the size I am because I've learned that turkey is fattening. And we, we had a way years ago of being able to connect with both my wife Jan's family and my family on the same Thanksgiving weekend, and that meant a double dose of turkey. There's many things that I remember about Thanksgiving weekend. As a congregation, we used to do an annual Thanksgiving family retreat at Creef Hills. Some of the strongest memories my kids have are of those times on retreat. But I never go through a special season like this without thinking, remember some stories. And even in this past week, a woman said this to me. She said, I hate Thanksgiving. In fact, I hate all of October. For both of my parents died on the same day a year apart from each other in October. And I just wish there was some way that I could forget or just avoid the whole Thanksgiving deal. Or perhaps the conversation I had a few years ago when I encountered a woman and I simply wanted to ask her this question, do you have family coming home to celebrate with you or are you going to go to be with family? And she said, I don't have any family. I don't have any family to come home and if I was to go anywhere and connect with family, I'd have to go to Saskatchewan where my aunt is in a nursing home, but she has a dementia. And would she even recognize me? Would she even recognize me if I showed up? So aren't you glad you came? Well, many of us here this morning have ample reason to celebrate and make this a special day of gratitude. We recognize that there are some amongst us for whom this is a dark day. And it leads me to set this up with a couple of questions. Let's just take a moment and reflect on these two questions. Question number one, what is at risk when you find yourself in a dark place? What gets risky when you're in a dark place? And the second question, which is very relevant to this morning, is where do you find Thanksgiving when you're in that dark place? Where do you find Thanksgiving when you're in that dark place? And the way we're going to wrestle with those two questions is we're going to take a look 
at what David offers us in Psalm 22. This is not exactly one of those nice, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want kind of psalms. This is David at his rawest. And it happens to be just before the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. And we'll go there in a moment, but before we do that, I want to introduce you to a very special little guy by the name of Lucas. And I want to tell you Lucas' story. Don't you love him? You don't even know him and you love him. I mean, how red hair and that angelic face. When Lucas was just two years of age and his sister Leah five weeks old, his mom and dad, Jamie and Katrina, took him to Alberta for a vacation. And during their time visiting with a family that they had had a long-term connection with, a storm hit that campground. And initially, with big hail and all that kind of thing, they were enjoying it, but then it got more serious. And they sought refuge in a cabin. And as they hunkered down, Lucas wrapped in his father, safely in his father's arms, Leah in her mother Katrina's arms, that storm ripped, the, that tornado ripped that cabin apart. And one of the side effects of that was Lucas disappeared from his father's arms. Jamie had no idea what had happened to Lucas. And they went looking for Lucas and they found him, his mom actually found him in the ditch. And she held him in the moment when he took his last breath. A couple of years ago, an agnostic interviewer interviewed Katrina and Jamie and asked, well, Jamie's a minister, so you gotta understand that part of the interview when the interviewer said to them, so Jamie, you were working for God, and God did this to you, and you're still working for him today? That's what didn't make any sense. But here's why it made sense. What would, and Jamie was very quick to point out, God didn't take Lucas from us. A tornado took Lucas from us. But what has happened is that Jamie and Katrina determined Lucas's death would not be in vain. They were thankful for the two years that God had given them with him. And so they took the memorial money that was given in Lucas's name, and they decided that every year in Brampton they would have a celebration. It would be called the Lucas Holtham Celebration. And they would throw it wide open to children and families from the Brampton area, and they'd have a party in the big park next to the church where Jamie pastors. This year, about 6,000 people showed up for Lucas's celebration. And I tell you that story just for this one reason. God never wastes a wound. You'll never find yourself in a dark, hard place. But what God doesn't make something out of that. And on a Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to suggest that even if you find yourself in a really tough spot today, God's not going to waste that. And there's a reason for gratitude on that. And so let me direct your attention to Psalm 22. And let me particularly set it up this way because 
in the past when I've spoken of this psalm, somebody will get up and they'll read the psalm by way of setting it up and they'll say this. They'll read Psalm 22, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away from when I call for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. And I want to say to the person reading that scripture, be honest with the scripture. You are far too nice. That scripture is like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why is it that you're so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call for you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Get the sense? <laughs> you guys are too quiet. You get the sense that David is somehow a little ticked with God? That life maybe isn't all that pleasant and there's not a lot to be grateful for. But I'm going to tell you that David in the midst of the dark place finds something to be grateful for. So I want to draw, draw, draw your attention back to the questions. <coughs> questions we gave you were these. What is at risk when you find yourself in a dark place? And where do you go to find thanksgiving or gratitude? in those times. So we go back to David and we're going to just draw out some verses from Psalm 23 to try and get a sense of that. Verses 6 through 8. In verses 6 through 8, David will very quickly identify what's at stake when you're in a dark place. And that is your sense of identity. This is where it takes him and that journey in the pain that he's feeling in that moment. But I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who lie, relies upon the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And that's what comes up for grabs in the hard times in our life. I had a conversation on Thursday night with a woman and it was even months ago when she was sitting in church and a young couple were on the platform <coughs> and they were talking about how God had rebuilt their marriage. It was a hard conversation for her because it was 20 years prior to that that her husband walked out on her went to be with a younger woman. And even a year after that conversation with the couple on stage, she was struggling. She put it this way. <laughs> I still feel like a failure, even though it was my husband who be betrayed our relationship. And it was 20 years ago. I still feel like a failure. Our sense of identity. 
So David wants to find a place where he can say, I don't want to be in this lost place. And so in these verses, verses 9 and 10, he takes the place where he finds some gratitude and finds his real identity. You, you God brought me safely from my mother's wound. You led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You've been my God since the moment I was born. It's a great moment for David. It's a breakthrough moment because it's in that moment he understands that from the moment of my conception I've been cradled in the arms of God who reminds me what is my truest identity. It lies not in what I do, not in whom I'm connected with, not in my husband, not in my wife, not in my kids. That's not my truest identity. My truest identity is I am deeply connected heaven from the moment of my conception with the great God of the universe. If you're in a hard place today, it hasn't changed who you are. It just has changed how you're feeling about who you are. And it's time to go back and reaffirm who you really are. And that leads us to a second observation of David. That when we're in a dark and hard place in our lives, not only is our sense of identity at stake, but the other thing that's at stake, another thing that's at stake is our sense of security. Our sense of security. Our sense of real security. Here it is in verses 12 and 16. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They've pierced my hands and feet. I don't have to read that twice to know that that's not a secure place to be. That feels like a very, very unsafe place to be. Recently, I was called to join a couple of police officers who were tending to some victims of a very serious car accident in Windsor. And when I arrived, the female officer said to me, there's one person I'd particularly like you to give your attention to. And she introduced, introduced me quietly to the side and then face to face to the woman whose husband the doctors were trying desperately to save his life. And I said to the woman, the first question out of my mouth was simply this, is there anybody that you would like to have here right now for this very hard moment? And she said to me, I have no husband. I have no family, sorry. I have no family in this area. My family are all very far away. I have no one you can call. 
Her husband had recently, she told me, been diagnosed with cancer. They were scheduled the next day to explore some experimental treatment in McMaster University in, in Hamilton. And they were so looking forward to that moment, and now life had changed in a drastic moment. And this is what she says to me. I just feel so unsafe. I just feel like I have no one. I don't, didn't know anything about that woman. I didn't know anything about her personal faith. I didn't know anything about that. But I just said to her in that moment, would, would it be okay if I prayed with you? And she just cried. And so I prayed with her, and in the moments after I finished praying with her and holding her hand, she said, thank you. I think I'm okay for now. It's a terrible place to be in your life when you feel that there's no safe place. There's no place where I can sense any measure of peace or joy. And David was in exactly that moment. That's the verses that tell us what it was like for him to feel unglued because there was no sense of security. But he didn't stay there. Because these verses will help us to understand the change that came. He prays a simple prayer. O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the swords. Bear my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. Well, that's not exactly how I'd express it if I wasn't feeling particularly safe. But David has a very expressive way of putting it. And there are some of you that might even be able to identify that. And I want you to see that in this moment, he's back to a place of gratitude. The gratitude from, that comes from knowing there's a God who will show up when we cry out to him. There's a God who will show up when we cry out to him. And it's only then that we can find the confidence and a secure place comes from knowing them. So our sense of identity is at stake when we're in a hard time. Our sense of security is at stake. And although it's not the only thing, I think I'm trying to be a good preacher to make sure I got three points. But I would, if, if I had time, I would develop even more of these things that come at, at, at risk when we're in a hard place. But the third one for today is this, our sense of vitality our sense of vitality. This is what David expresses it, verses 14 and 15. My life is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dyed up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. Aren't you glad you came Thanksgiving Sunday? Aren't you glad David who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is the guy who in a dark moment is able to identify very clearly with the things that are at risk for you and I in our darkest moments of life. 
It's only one of the other things that he identifies. Because perhaps more than anything else, in those dark moments, what we lose that may matter the most is our sense of hope. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something about myself you probably shouldn't know. I'm a lifelong Toronto Maple Leaf fan. And you take one look at me, and you can probably say, and you probably even remember when they won the cup, and I do. But I've spent 50 years in the desert with the Maple Leafs. And you're going to, you think I've, in my old age, maybe I've lost it. But I've spent many years watching the Maple Leafs and thinking that's exactly the way I felt. Now I'm getting to trivialize it. But I want to take you back to Lucas. Because for Katrina, Jamie, and their three other kids, there are days when the sadness of the loss of Lucas just washes over them. And when that washes over them, they often go to the cemetery where Lucas's little body was buried and they'll just spend time. Maybe they'll have a conversation with Lucas. And then they can once again turn to each other and say, we have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but there are many lives that have been touched with Lucas Holtham's celebration in Brampton. And there are many other lives that have been touched because they wrote about their story. And every year, the story gets told again. And so David, in this hard place, where all those things are just the way that it feels absolutely overwhelmed, emotionally, physically, spiritually drained, he turns once again to finding a place where he can find gratitude even in the darkness in verse 23 and 24. This is profound because he knows that he can't find gratitude in the dark places alone. So he cries out for someone else to come alongside of him to encourage him. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or loved this or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them. He's listened to their cries for help. And even though David began the psalm with, I cry out to you at night, and it doesn't seem to register, that's a congruent paraphrase. He now says, I know that it's true that you have not turned your back on people in dark places. And I know you have listened to their cries for help. So this is Thanksgiving. And if you find yourself in a strong and healthy place, this is your day to celebrate with great Thanksgiving. In fact, David will express it this way that towards the end of the psalm. He'll say, 
Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before them all or more, all whose lives will end in dust. I mean, that's a good one too, isn't it? But he says, his righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. I just want to say, if you're in a, a special and blessed place today, you celebrate what God has given to you. And don't sit at the table with anybody today until you've had a moment to say, God has been good to us. But if you find yourself walking through a particularly hard or dark time, I want to simply remind you, he's already established who you are. And though the dark time in your life may threaten that sense of identity, it's not changed one iota. And though you may feel you're so far from a safe place at this moment, and there's a sense of security and safety that's just gone, not gone. He's one cry away. One cry away. And if you're finding it hard to get up in the morning, you don't even want to get out of bed because there's just too many things facing you and you're overwhelmed by them all. Just remember, he is your strength. And he will visit you in that dark place to restore your soul. So I want to pray, and I want to pray particularly for those of you who will be able to celebrate today that it may be joy-filled and strong. And I want to pray for those of you who may find yourself in a harder place. So please join me in this prayer. I am so grateful, Father, that you entered into the life of David in a very real and significant way and taught him lessons that can be ours for today. You taught him how to fully express and enjoy your kindness and goodness. But you also took him through the grinder. And in those hard and painful moments of his life, he was able to pen for us a gift. A gift that said, in the darkness you can find gratitude because you, God, never waste a wound. You never waste a hard time. And so to those who this morning find themselves faced with something that is just painful and hard, may you touch them. May you speak to them. And may you love them with a depth of love that they may have never experienced before. And we ask that only for one reason. We want Christ to be honored. So we ask it in his name. Amen.